Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. So glad to see you today. Um, my name is Mike McGowan. I'm the senior pastor here, and we're halfway through our message series called Peace Out, where we're learning how God tells us to say, you know, peace out to fear, worry, and anxiety in our lives. Now, uh, my family and I, we have a, we've got a funny little Christmas tradition. And at Christmas time, uh, every year, uh, my queen and I, we buy the kids a puzzle. And they have to work a puzzle before they open any Christmas presents. Yeah. And, and the re- look, the reason we do that is because we want them to learn how to work together, and we wanted to, we wanted to get along, learn how to get along with one another, because look, by, by that time of the year, like, everybody in our house is a little bit stressed out, right? And so, we make, we, and we give them a couple weeks to work it, uh, you know, because it's usually kind of a big puzzle, thousand pieces or more. Um, so anyway, here is what I've noticed happens. At some point during the puzzle working, each of the kids will grab a piece and they will secretly just slip it into their pocket, right? You know why, right? Yeah, because they want to be the one that puts the last piece of the puzzle in. Like, I don't even know why that's a thing. Like, I don't even know why that's a big deal. But for whatever reason, it's a big deal. They want to put the last piece of the puzzle in. So um, <laughs> here's what I saw happen a couple years ago. Um, they real, each of them realize that the other one has one of these last pieces. And so then the negotiations begin. And so they end up negotiating to where they're both going to put the piece in at the same time, and so they both are the ones that complete the puzzle. So Ben and Olivia each get their piece out, they put it right over the little spot, and just as they're each about to push the piece in, Ben shoves Olivia out of the way, slams both pieces down, and goes, I win! <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, ah, oh, the Christmas spirit is so great. And so, and here's, here's what I find so odd, that we're willing to fight about trivial things, like a puzzle piece, but we're unwilling to fight about more important things, like inner peace. Because, because somehow we just think that, I mean, inner peace is just, that's just something that's going to happen. And that we don't really have to, have to fight for it. But that is absolutely not true. In fact, look what God says his will is for each of our lives. It's the first verse there for you. Look at it. It says this. You will keep, talking about God, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. So the Bible tells us that God wants to keep us in perfect peace. Well, if that's true, why doesn't that happen? I'll tell you why it doesn't happen. Because our arch enemy, the devil, doesn't want us to stay in God's peace. He doesn't want us to have perfect peace. And so he'll do anything and everything he can to fight us for every inch of ground and do everything he can to rob us from, about, from every shred of peace that we could ever have. And he's pretty good at it, isn't he? Absolutely. And I think one of the reasons why we don't ever fight for peace because the truth is, we don't even know there is a fight. We even know that we're supposed to fight for peace. And if we don't even know there's a fight, then we don't even show up for the fight. And if we ever did show up for the fight, 
most of us don't know how to fight for peace. And so today, our Heavenly Father is going to show us how he wants us to fight for peace in our lives. So, let's just get right to it. What does God want me to do to fight for peace? Here's the first thing. Number one is this. God wants me to make a calendar fight. He wants me to make a calendar fight. Look at this verse. It's in Ephesians 5, beginning of verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. Circle the words how you live. We're going to come back to it in a second. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Okay? So let me ask you. How do you live? How do you live? Do you live your life overcommitted, schedule overcrowded, always five minutes late to everywhere you go, always wondering how in the world am I going to get all this stuff done? I mean, have you been waiting for the kids to go back to school so you could, oh, I can finally get a break? I mean, is, is that how you live? Because God says, be careful. He says, be careful how you live. He says, be wise. And how does he want you to be wise? Lots of ways, but he wants you to be wise. In this verse it says, by making the most of every opportunity. That means he doesn't want you to just fill your calendar. He wants you to make the most of the things that are already on your calendar. But here's the deal. When your schedule's overcrowded and you're overcommitted, you're so busy going here and there and trying to meet all the commitments that you've made that you become so busy, you don't even have the time to think about fighting for peace. Because you don't have any because you're too busy and too frantic trying to get where you need to go and do the things you need to do. And so God tells us, he says, that's foolish. That's not wise. And why? He tells you in this verse. He says, because it prevents, get this, it prevents you from understanding what God's will is for your life. When you get that busy, it prevents you from understanding what God's will is for your life. So one of the things God wants you to do is he wants you to make a calendar fight. What I mean by that is he wants you to slow down and ask him for direction on all of your commitments. Look at this verse. It's in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. The Bible says this. It says, we make our own plans, but the Lord decides where we will go. Amy and I, we learned this the hard way. Uh, we really did. Uh, one year, we decided that, you know, we're going to take the kids camping. And no, nothing wrong with camping. And you go out, and you make great family memories, you turn off all the electronics. It was really great. And so um, we're going to take the kids camping. And we got everything ready, made all the plans. But there's one thing we didn't do. We didn't have to ask God if that's what he wanted us to do. So here's what happened. We, uh, we, we get the car loaded, and we, you know, we head off, and we're driving to Arkansas because we're going to meet Amy's brother and their family. We're going to go on this big week-long camp trip. It's going to be great. Well, we're driving out, and we, once we hit I-10, I mean, it starts raining. And it's one of those times where, like, it is raining sheets. We, like, we could hardly see in front of us. I mean, wipers on high. It, it's just a mess. We're driving down I-10, and literally... All of a sudden, in my field of vision, appear, there's this huge 
metal ladder lying in the middle of my lane. Like, it must have fallen off some, somebody's truck. So, I mean, I, I have to swerve immediately to, you know, get around this thing, get out of the way. Luckily, there was nobody in the lane beside me. And so, you know, swerve out of the way, swerve back, and like, and, and I, I look at Amy, and she looks at me, and she says, she says, you think God's telling us not to go on this camping trip? And I look back at her, and, and, it, and in my most pastorly voice, I said, nah. So anyway, so we take off, and so uh, by the time we get to Livingston on 59, the rain finally stops. And so we pull into a gas station, you know, just, just to catch our breath, you know, from just being tense all that time, and, uh, you know, get some Scooby snacks, and, you know, then we get back in the car, and we're going to, you know, head back out. And I, I start the car, and I, I can't get the car to get into gear. Like, it starts, in, it goes in gear, and then it slips out of gear. So I thought, this was weird. So I just, I turned the car off, and I turned it on again. Sure enough, got it in gear. We go a little way, and it just slips out of gear. I turned the car off and on, and we'd go through this process like five or six times until finally, I can't get the car to, to go into gear at all. And so now, we're stranded on the side of 59. Kids are in the back. It's loaded. We can't go anywhere because the car won't go forward at all because it won't go into gear. And Amy looks at me, and she says, do you think God's telling us not to go on this camping trip? And I look at her in my most passionately voice, and I said, maybe. <laughs> and so call a tow truck. They tow the car to the nearest dealership so we can go get worked on. Amy's parents drive from Katie to come get us, and you know we go home. And uh, honestly, we, we still want to go camping, so we let the kids camp out in the backyard in tents, and we cooked over a fire pit all week long. It ended up actually being a pretty great week. But here's what we learned. We learned that we need to ask God what he wants us to do before we put anything on the calendar. Because when he orders our steps, that's when we have peace. And it doesn't necessarily mean that everything's always going to go great. Because sometimes there's going to be adversity even when God tells you to do something. But here's the deal. In that situation, it wasn't God's will because we didn't ask. So here's, here's what I want you to do. Would you make a commitment today that you will ask God about everything on your calendar before you make one more commitment this fall? Before you just fill your calendar with so many activities and so many things that you've got to do and got to make an appearance at, ask God if that's what he really wants you to do. Make a calendar fight. I mean, take your calendar and ask us, say, God, whatever it is that you want us to do, give us a piece about it. And whatever you don't want us to do, give us a sense of unrest in our hearts about it. And when you do that, no matter what happens, you'll have peace, even if there are bumps or ladders in the road. You'll have peace because you know it's what God wanted you to put on the calendar. So make a calendar fight. Okay? Here's the second thing you need to do. You need to pick a spiritual fight. You need to pick a spiritual fight. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, if you've been around Christianity for a while, you've, look, you've probably heard this verse. And it's an incredibly important verse because it reminds us that we're in a spiritual war. That our struggle really isn't against our spouse or our kids or other family members or neighbors or office politics or finances or the HOA or anything else, okay? That, that's not where our struggle really is. This verse reminds us that there are spiritual forces behind all of that that's driving whatever opposition is that we're facing. And so that's what it's saying. And so in order to have peace from time to time, you got to pick a spiritual fight. And by that I mean you need to see that the opposition you're facing is more spiritual than it is anything else. That sometimes the most effective thing you can do is pray. But most of the time, here's what I hear people say. They'll say, oh, well, I mean, I guess there's just nothing left to do but pray. No. That is completely the wrong approach. The correct biblical approach is the very first thing I need to do is to pray. Now, the question is, well, then how does that bring peace? Here's why that brings peace. Because when you understand that the opposition that you're facing is spiritual, it keeps you from making it personal. When you understand that the opposition is spiritual, it keeps you from making it personal. Because when you understand that, um, you know, when somebody turns on you, when they betray you, or when things don't go your way, or when things don't go your kid's way, that when when you understand that there's spiritual forces behind it that's driving all of it, then you understand that this is, this is spiritual in nature. It's not personal in nature. And get this, when you can not take it personally, it helps you not become so emotionally charged and so emotionally wrapped up in it. Because it's not personal. It's spiritual. And that gives you peace because it's not about you. Now, here's... Here's the good thing. Uh, this is a great verse. Because as a, if you're a Christ follower, God prevails in every spiritual fight. Look what the Bible says in Romans 16, 20. It says this. The God of peace. Okay? The God of what? Everybody say it. The God of what? Peace. The God of peace. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That's right. The God of peace will crush Satan and his tactics under your feet because God wins every time. So whatever it is that right now is stealing your peace, declare a spiritual fight and ask God to crush whatever opposition that is that you're facing, turn it over to him, ask him to take care of it because it's not personal. It's not about you. It's spiritual. And so you gotta ask him to take care of it. I'm telling you, it'll bring you peace. Okay, here's the third thing. Third thing that God asks us to do is this. He wants me to have a gang fight. Yeah, have a gang fight. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, here's what the Bible says. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
So let me be frank here. The way our Heavenly Father has set up the world is that you don't have to go through it alone. That if you're a Christ follower, the reason that God has put other Christ followers in your life is so that they can help you. They can help carry the burdens that you bear so that you don't have to face tough things in life alone. Because here's the deal. You were never meant to. But here's what I see. You know, when somebody's going through a difficult time in their marriage or with their finances or with their kids or with their career or, you know, with whatever, typically what I see with people is they just keep it to themselves. And when I talk to them and they tell me, oh, yeah, I'm in a small group, I'm like, great, you're in a small group. Why don't you tell anybody in your small group what you're going through? Because if you're in a small group, maybe there's somebody else in your small group that's been through something similar, and they can share with you the wisdom that they've learned by experience about what's God, what God's done, and then the whole rest of the group, they can pray for you, and they can help you, and help you think through it, Maybe because maybe God's given them in your life to help you bear the burden of this tough time. But you know what people say? Here's what people tell me. They'll say, you know, one of several things. They'll say, well, you know, we're kind of private people, and we just, we just don't want to, you know, let other people get involved in the personal stuff that's going on in our lives. Or they'll say something like, well, you know, I mean, we don't want to burden other people with what's going on. I mean, they've got their own stuff that they've got to do, and they've got to, they've got to carry, so we don't, we don't want to burden other people. Or they'll say, you know, well, I mean, I think we can kind of take care of this on our own. I mean, we, like, we got this. And if we get really desperate, sure, we'll ask for help, but we're not going to do that until we get really, really desperate. And the whole time they're telling me these stories, they're saying these things, I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking, you don't get it. Like, you don't get it. Because the reason that God has put those people in your life, the reason why God has put you in a church family is because he never designed you to carry those burdens by yourself. That was never God's will. That's why when you became a Christ follower, God didn't ask you to go join a monastery or to go live like a hermit in a cave somewhere. He asked you to join a church, to be a part of a church, because he wants you to be part of a church family, because as a family, we are supposed to help carry each other's burdens. And get this. The verse says that when we carry each other's burdens, it says, we fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? What is he talking about there? Well, it's a reference to John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Here's what it says. It says this. It says, uh, oh, let me get to that page. It says, a new command I give you. This is Jesus talking. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Get this. This is the only time in the New Testament when Jesus specifically gives us a new command. It's the only time he gives us a new law. So this is the law of Christ. And when you carry each other's burdens, it fulfills the law of Christ because when you help other people carry their burdens, it's one of the best ways that you can love one another. You know, growing up, uh, my pastor used to say this, and, and I've never forgotten. He said this. He says, he said, 
When I share my burdens, it cuts them in half. When I share my joys, they double. Now write that down, okay? When I share my burdens, it cuts them in half. When I share my joys, they double. I don't know about you, but I have found it to be so true in my life. And at the park, the best place to share your burdens, to share your sorrows, to share your joys, is in the context of a small group. Look, and a small group is exactly what it sounds like. It's a small group of people that uh, usually between like 10 and 16, they get together once a week in a person's home where you study the Bible, you discuss what it means, you laugh together, and you pray for each other. And in the context of a small group, a lot of times, that's where you're going to make friends. Sometimes you'll even make best friends with people in a small group. But here's the deal. When someone in your small group is going through a hard time, you got to have a gang fight, and you got to carry each other's burdens. I want you to listen to a family in our church who took a chance and decided to open up to the small group about what was going on in their lives. Let's watch this. So we first um, visited the park when they had their first opening at the new building on 1093 and 723 back in 2010. From there, we joined a small group just to see what it was, what small group was all about. We really didn't know what to expect because we've never been to a church that had small group outside in people's homes. We kind of keep things to ourselves, but when you're in a group like that and you're seeing everybody else that's sharing, and other people that also have needs. It just kind of opens up that door. So we went through um, a few years of, of ups and downs, and it started with um, Chris getting laid off the first time for 10 months, and then, um, and that was just really hard, just financially, him being laid off. And then it went to Chris's dad being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and dying um, within 18 months of being diagnosed. And then two months after um, his death was my grandfather's death. And then Chris got laid off again for the second time a month after that. So it was a, it was a lot of back-to-back -back trials and tribulations that um, we learned that it's important to serve and give, but it's also important to receive as well. We were brand new parents and we didn't have any help. We kept getting a call from one of, from, I kept getting a call from one of the ladies and she's like, has anybody set up meal plans for you? I was like, no. I was like, we don't, we don't need meals, we're good. Uh, she's like, no, no, that's what we do. I was like, no, we're, we're okay. And then one day she just showed up with some food <laughs> and she said, here's dinner, I made it for you and there will be somebody coming every other day for the next three weeks, so please take their dinners and, and be gracious. And I was like, yes, ma'am. And then she was like, and I'm gonna hold the baby while you eat. And we kind of just looked at each other and we're like, we're gonna eat real food together. <laughs> we struggle with um, letting our guard down. We keep everything very close to the chest. And just that first time of opening up and saying, I don't have this. And somebody just being there saying, but I have it for you. It, that was just such a, a relief, a blessing, because you get to that point where you're, you just don't know what to do. And it, it was, it's nice that you have your small group that can say, but we can do it for you. Um, from bringing you meals, to 
picking up your children, to mowing lawns, um, helping with house renovation. Uh, there's just so many things that that extended family is there for for you. God can't provide unless you open up and let him. So unless you open up and allow him to work in your life, then miracles can't happen. So last fall was our first time hosting. Yeah, that was a big leap of faith. <laughs> when we got this house and after everything we went through, um, I told Chris, I said, when we're in a house again, I said, it's only because God blessed us for it. And so we are going to open it up to worship. So the time came <laughs> and, and it was time to sign up for small group. And I was like, it's time. Um, but it was a big leap. It was a big leap of faith because it's not something that it's very out of our character is that we're kind of kind of close conservative close to the best so the open up our home and um, lead is a very different for us so hosting a, a small group and being a leader has well it's impacted me not only uh, in my church life but in my professional life uh, it's helped me to be able to handle different situations definitely opened me up to uh, be more comfortable speaking my faith and uh, sharing it with others. There's been nights where we were like, oh, we really don't want to go. And then our kids are like, are we going to small group? Are we going to small group? And so, you know, you end up going. It really does keep us, it keeps us grounded in, in a, of who we are. I would say that their church is never going to stop talking about small group. <laughs> and come small group time, they're gonna say small group at least 200 times during the service. Where you're so sick of it that you just sign up <laughs> so that it will end. That's Cut. Awesome. <laughs> <been> awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm so proud of them. They're awesome. Okay, so small group, small group, small group, small group, small group, small group. Okay. But listen, did you hear, but you hear what they said earlier in the video? They said, hey, we're, we're private people by nature. Like, that's just, like, we, we don't tend to open up. But it wasn't until they decided to open up that other people were able to carry their burdens and come to their rescue and help them through some really, really hard times in their lives. And so, I know, like, you might be a private person by nature. And that's okay. Like, that, that's perfectly fine. But here's the deal. God still calls us to carry each other's burdens. But for that to happen, when it comes to small group, not only do you have to sign up, but you also have to open up. And if you're, and if you're new to small group, like, I understand, like, that it can take a while to open up until you feel comfortable. That's perfectly fine. But at some point in time, that's what you have to do. Because God asks us to have a gang fight for each other. Today's the first day that you can sign up for small groups for the fall semester. And I know that some of you have already contacted your small group leader from last spring, and you know, you've already renewed to get in that same group. That's perfectly cool. Glad you've done that. If you haven't done that, or if you're new to the park, if you never signed up for a small group, or if for whatever reason you just have never signed up for a small group, do that today. The easiest way to do that is, like Pastor Will said a while ago, is with our church app. So just Get on your phone and go ahead and join a small group. All the available small groups are listed in that catalog that's in your worship guide. And now if you need a little help kind of narrowing the choices down, 
Outside in the lobby today, our small group pastors and our small group leadership team is out there. They're available. They're there to help you answer questions, maybe even get you signed up for a small group if that's what you want to do. But get in a small group today. Get in a group. And here's the deal. Get your kids and your teenagers in a group too. Because your kids and your teenagers, they need other Christian kids to support them and get their back. Honestly, they probably need it as much or more than you do. So make sure you get your kids, starting in pre-K, kids and teenagers, get them signed up for a small group today as well, okay? All right, one last thing. You don't have to be a member at this church to sign up for a small group. You don't even have to be a Christ follower to sign up for a small group. Any, anybody can join a small group. But here's the deal. If you're not a Christ follower yet, you'll never have peace in your life until you make that decision. And the reason is, is because the Bible says it, that it's our sins that separate us from God. And Jesus came to this earth to die on a cross so that his death could pay the price and forgive us of all of our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. And until you have that personal relationship with God, you'll never have peace in your life. So if, if you're ready to do that and you've never asked Christ to come into your life to forgive you, then I want you to do that today. There's a prayer in your worship notes. I want you to pray that prayer right now. And I want you to pray that prayer. If you've never prayed it before, pray it right now while I pray for everybody else. So everybody, bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you want us to fight for peace that your plan is for us to have your perfect peace in our calendar, that you would fight for us spiritually, that there's nothing that could ever oppose you that could ever gain victory, spiritually speaking, and that you've given us each other so that we can help carry each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so I ask that you would help each one of us to do that. So help us, God, today to fight for one another, not with each other. And in doing so, you would help us to fight for peace. I love you. Thank you for the truth of your word and help us to live it out. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.